find, if you would, the last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 21. Find it there in your, on your Bible, in your smartphone. Some Bibles are underneath the chairs. That'll be okay as well. Love for you to be looking at God's Word. Some will be on the screen, but probably not all. But uh, appreciate you coming and being part uh, today. Uh, today is uh, it's Baptism Sunday. Now, we have baptisms throughout the year, and fortunate and blessed to be able to have uh, several throughout the year. And, uh, but today's Baptismal Sunday for our convention. And uh, so it's sponsored by North American Mission Board. And so we're anticipating thousands, if not tens of thousands of people being baptized today, this very hour, uh, or sometime today, uh, throughout our convention. And we're participating in that. And we have some who are being baptized today as well, but we want to give you opportunity. There may be somebody here today, maybe you didn't come with the idea of anticipating being baptized, but we want you to be open to the fact if there's somebody to hear that needs to put their trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, or maybe you've had, you've never made it public today, you're going to have opportunity to be able to do that today. Our pastors will be ready. Appreciate our praise band. They're going to be singing a couple of songs toward the end of the service and preparation for baptism. So we come in anticipation. So uh, you have opportunity to talk with one of our pastors. Uh, we have our baptismal team has put together clothes to wear under robes. Uh, should that be the case? So if you thought I didn't come physically prepared, well, don't worry about that. We've got you covered. And uh, Or if you want to make a public profession of faith but have baptism another time, it would be okay as well. 20 years ago yesterday, we recognized, of course, 20 years since 9-11. Some of you weren't even born or you, maybe you were too young to remember. But we are remembering those who lost their lives. We certainly remember our first re responders and uh, we remember those who continue to keep us safe as well and thankful uh, that we have a God who keeps us spiritually safe. And it is, uh, it is a day, whether you know it or not, it's a day that changed the world, our world, the nation uh, in which we live. What I remember most, you've probably heard a lot of people say something like that if you've paid attention, but uh, what I remember most, besides where I was when it happened, are the people who flocked to the churches, the people who flocked to church, prayer vigils on that day, on that very night. It didn't take long to let people know that we were having a prayer vigil. And then the Sunday and Sundays following, folks were coming to church. Why was that? Well, there was a call to prayer, certainly during that time, but it's also, I believe, because people were looking for answers. People were finding that they could find the answer in the Lord's church that pointed to the hope that is found in Jesus. It was a day that changed the world, our world. And uh, well, in the last year and a half, we've had kind of a time that changed our world, literally not just our country, but around the world, pandemic like we've never seen in our lifetime before, certainly has brought uh, changes to the way we view things, take care of things, and uh, all that uh, we need to do. It has not necessarily, has caused some people certainly to fall to their knees in prayer and uh, uh, but it's not necessarily caused people to flock to the church. Uh, some of that is because being in crowds seem to be uh, reported certainly as a part of the problem. Uh, but we have sought to be innovative. We help us to realize that as a church, it's not the brick and the mortar that is the church, but it is the people of God. So we've continued to be the church over the last year and a half, find innovative ways in which we might be able to reach out, whether it be live stream or taking care of one another or looking for conversations that we might be able to share the love of Jesus uh, throughout. But we have been encouraging people to come back to church in a sense. We feel like, hey, it's time to come back and we'd like to still keep you safe and healthy even though you're coming back. And while we've given you many reasons perhaps to come back to, come back to church, 
I fear that we have not given you the best reason. And the best reason being because we do know that the church holds the answers. The place that you can come and not just a place but the people that you can come so that you might be able to find the answers and the solutions that the world has today and that you and I have individually found, not just realize in this place, but we believe people ought to be flocking back to church so that you might be able to be with God's people, study God's Word, and worship the one who is the only hope for today. In fact, we want to create an environment. And as we move forward, kind of part of our series, you've got questions, here's the answer. We started last week, and we're going to create an environment to where being a parkway means that you're going to, one, be able to find answers and solutions, even those that you're facing today, and that you will be part of the solution, that you'll be able to be able to share with others as well. In fact, I encourage you, if you weren't here last week, we've been kind of a two-part series on Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And if you were here last week, I don't usually say go back and listen to one of my sermons because I'm afraid it points a little bit too much to me. But because of what God's Word says, I encourage you to go back and kind of Get in on this uh, from the beginning as well. But we are in Revelation chapter 21. Going to read verses 1 through 7. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert. And that is the fact that if you're part of the 100 days of essential reading, if you're not part of that, I encourage you to jump in with us. Many, many of our members are reading through these 100 days of essential reading. We began actually August 15th. But you can begin any time because it is essential reading. Uh, we believe all of God's Word is, but we have... Hundred verses that are chosen here to help us with that. But if you're in the hundred days, a spoiler alert is the hundredth day is Revelation 21. So you're kind of getting kind of a preview of that. I'll give you another spoiler alert as well. We began, we've got a five and ten year plan here that we have for the church. And part of that is we're preaching through the entirety of the Bible. Not every chapter, not every verse, but we're doing that over a ten year period. We finished Judges a couple of weeks ago. We're going to get back and continue through the Old Testament and New Testament. So in the year 2030, I'm going to be preaching from this very passage. So just a spoiler alert, might put that on your calendar. And I know you, anticipation of what's going to be happening, you won't remember, but I'll remember. And uh, well, how about this? If the Lord tarries and you allow me to be your pastor, then I anticipate preaching from Revelation chapter 21 in the year 2030. But this now is the Word of God, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 and following. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will be with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. Any more for the former things have passed away. And he was seated on the throne and said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. It may be those words from verse 6 to where the one from the throne, the voice from the throne said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end. It might remind you of the words of Jesus on the cross, some of His last words when He said, it is finished. Jesus has done everything, brought everything to completion so that we might have life and eternal life. Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last 
letters of the Greek alphabet become significant for us realizing even more so that all that has been done, all that needs to be done, all that should be done was done in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and He has taken care of everything from beginning to end. And then notice it says to the thirsty, to all those who thirst I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. He, it reminds us, of course, that Jesus is called the one who is the living water. We can remember the things that Jesus said at the woman at the well and other places where He is the living water. So He declares in Revelation, free water. Well, in our culture, I'm not sure that means a whole lot. It's the cheapest thing. We can get it pretty much almost free today, wherever we are. But how much it must have meant to the very first readers, to those who lived in that day, and still in many parts of the world who have to get up every day, they've got to travel to a river or to a creek or to a well in order to be able to haul water back for if they did not then all would be lost. Well Jesus though tells he says he wants to give living water without cost for no price whatsoever. Well Jesus is going to deliver free of charge. You know the closest thing we know about getting something free of charge you usually have to go after maybe if we got Door dash or pizza delivery free or something like that. And then all we have to do is uh, get on the phone. But we do live in a world where there is a thirsty culture. We live in a world of thirsty people. People are thirsty for meaning in life. They're meaning for purpose. And whether they admit it or not, whether we admit it or not, thirsty to be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. And often our thirst can only be quenched by knowing God. Jesus delivers without payment. Not that there is no cost. There is a cost and Jesus paid the ultimate price when he died for us on the cross and he rose again. Well, who are the recipients of this that Jesus wants to give us free? Go ahead, take a look in verse 7. See who the recipients are. They're the ones who, the ones who are the conquerors or those who are uh, the overcomers, depending on your translation. Well, who are they? Well, we find out in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 where it talks about the seven churches that the ones who are the overcomers or the ones who are the conquerors are all those who put their faith in Jesus, all those who have placed their faith in Him. Romans chapter 8 and verse 37 said, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are God's children, born again to live forever in a place called heaven with Jesus. You, if you're a child of God today, you are a follower of Jesus today. You're already a conqueror and an overcomer. It is my desire today that I, through God's Word, give you permission to act like it. To live as if we really are overcomers and conquerors because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. I think it would, if we get a glimpse of what is to come, it might help. I had an opportunity to go with a team to Iquitos, Peru. We traveled... Uh, pretty far into the villages there near the Amazon River, uh, around the Amazon River Basin, or not, not the basin, but in the Amazon Rainforest, and saw some pretty remote villages. I remember meeting one man who lived away from the village in a little thatched hut all by himself, and, and uh, he told us that a missionary, somebody had already come to his home, and had, he'd already told him about Jesus. And uh, also said, said the same man who told him about Jesus also told him that, um, that people had traveled to the moon. And he looked at us and certainly asked us through an interpreter, said, have any of you all been to the moon? 
Well, we looked at one another and said, amazingly, none of us had ever been to the moon. He said when the missionary, the man first told him that a man had been to the moon, he did not believe that a man had, that anybody could ever travel to the moon. But he sent him, he went, in fact, it's kind of surreal that in this middle of the Amazon rainforest, he goes and he pulls out these color posters of the Apollo moon landing that the missionary had sent. I'm not sure how he sent it because I didn't see a mailbox, but he sent it to him. And he said, he said, bow because of these pictures, I believe. And it's our prayer that he also now believes in Jesus as well. None of you, I suppose, have been to heaven. But we've got pictures. We've got pictures through the written word of God that be able to tell us and gives us glimpses of heaven and helps us to believe, to have some understanding and to give hope. In recognition of the eternal home, we can believe what Jesus told his disciples. He goes to prepare a place for us. And if he goes, he'll come again so that he might be able to take us to the place for all those who have placed their faith in Jesus. This understanding and reality of heaven will make whatever we go through, go through on earth bearable, but not only bearable, purposeful, for we know that Jesus is using everything to make our hearts in tune and right with him and make us more like Jesus and to prepare us and so that others might be able to know Christ as well. Uh, you've got some notes there about reflections and questions about heaven that you may want to write some things down. As a matter of fact, we were told in these verses that John, John was told, uh, uh, write these words down for these things are faithful and true. You may want to follow along as well. But in heaven, uh, I want you to, excuse me, Revelation chapter 21, notice how many times the word new is used. In heaven, all things were made new. Ah, there's something about new stuff. Whether it's new clothes, some of you got it before you started school this semester. Whether it's uh, sometimes even new books, new car, new shoes, new phone, whatever it may be. There's something about that all that is new. But the problem is, here on earth, the new always wears out. This new, John saw in Revelation, will never wear out. Of that which is new, we're just looking see what John was told. He said there will be a new heaven and a new earth. It will be a new heaven and a new earth because the old will pass away. We know that the earth in which we live, we know that the world in which we live is broken and it needs to be replaced. Second Peter chapter 3 tells us how this earth and this universe will not last. But let's think for just a moment about the old earth and the old universe in which we live. When we think about the vastness of space and the universe and the cosmos, certainly we're all at God's creative power ask you a question, some of you might be able to answer this, is how far is it from the earth to the sun? Only because I, it, was a, it was a question on Jeopardy a few weeks ago, but 93 million miles it is from the earth to the sun. If the, uh, if the thickness of a piece of paper could be represented by 93 million miles, thickness of one piece of paper, then the nearest star would be symbolized by a stack of paper 71 feet high. The distance from one end of our galaxy to another, if 93 million miles from the earth to the sun were symbolized by one sheet of paper, then the distance from one end of our galaxy to another would be a stack of paper 310 miles high. If the 93 million miles distance from our earth to the sun be symbolized by the thickness of one sheet of paper, then the distance from one of our galaxy to the, uh, to the edge of the known universe would be a stack of paper 31 million miles high. 
and we have only begun to scrape the surface of what is out there. The director of space exploration in Huntsville once said, the more I learn about space, the greater my understanding about God. Yet it will all be destroyed, and there will be a much greater and even more vast heaven and better. Now there's some debate as to whether a new heaven and new earth will be created and still to be created, or the old will be made new. But the word new here means new in character. So perhaps being new creation, it may be that which is revealed. Not only will there be a new heaven, a new earth, but we're told in this passage there will be a new Jerusalem, capital of heaven, the city where God dwells. It's the city where we will live. I want you to notice a couple of things. One, the last two chapters of the Bible and the first two chapters of the Bible are kind of mere passages. Because we find the first two chapters of the Bible, it talks about the Garden of Eden. There is no Satan that is mentioned. There is also no Satan in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. He's been cast into the lake of fire. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and Revelation chapter 21 and 22, there is no sin and there is no death. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8 tells us, we read through verse 7, verse 8 tells us what's happened to all sinners who do not repent. It was a key verse in our message from last week. But listen, in Revelation 21 and beginning in verse 18, we read through verse 7 a moment ago, but Revelation 21 and beginning in verse 18, John sees the city of Jerusalem. He sees the walls and the foundation of the city and he begins to describe it. He said, the wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold like clear glass. Foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a gate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth cornelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth barrel, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the streets of the city were pure pure gold-like transparent glass. Now remember, these are symbols. And even in the message last week, we talked about the symbols of hell. And the symbol always represents something far greater, larger, and in this case, far better than itself. Verse 22, Revelation 21, it says, John writes, I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lord. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Now the New Jerusalem, like the church of the New Testament, it's not about the walls or the brick or the mortar, no matter how ornate. It's about the people who dwell there. It's about the people of God and about the Lamb of God uh, whom we worship and whom we serve. So what do we have? New heaven and new earth, new Jerusalem. And a new home. John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, He's gone to prepare a place for you. And this is not just a place. It's not just any place. This is the place that is especially prepared for you where, you, where it is already your home. Now, I am like a lot of you. It's sometimes hard to find a whole lot of people who were born in Auburn and lived here all their life. But like, but some of you have. But like a lot of, I'm not from Auburn, and uh, it it wasn't where I was born, and um, I didn't go to school here. 
if you promise not to tell too many people, I haven't always been an Auburn fan, but I am one now, you understand. So eight years ago, we moved back to Auburn. We lived here before and we come back to Auburn. But can I tell you, it was like coming home. And it still is. This is our, this is our earthly home in which we live. We realize it is a temporary home. You've never been to heaven. But if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, or if you become a follower of the Lord Jesus today, you know that you have not just a place, but you have the place in which is your home made with the hands of God for you. It's the place that you were created for. Many godly Christians are discontent on this earth. And some wrestle with that discontent, while others realize it's because we were made for another place because we've been transformed in our hearts and not conformed to this place. But we are made to live this new life in Christ. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3 says this, For you have died... And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Dying to self means dying to this world. Consciously putting to death your old self, your old nature and sinful ways of this world. Jesus has come. He's made the, done everything that we need so that we might be able to live in heaven forever with Him. And so that we might be able to have the right choices and find the freedom in Christ so that we might live for Him because we know we were made for another place. The disciples asked Jesus, as He was talking about some of these very things, how can we know? How can we know how to get there? How can we believe? Do you remember what Jesus said? If you have seen Me, you've seen the Father. If you have seen Me, I'm showing you the way, I'm telling you the way, and because I say it, it is true. Jesus also said that there are many rooms in the King James Version, it says there are many mansions to show the grandness of God's domain. It can contain mansions. Rooms means many dwellings. So we have new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, new home, and also a new body in heaven. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2 says, We shall see Him, meaning we shall see Jesus, and we shall be like Him. Not that we will be God, but we will be like Him in character and even in a new body. Our bodies will be made new. In the Bible, it's compared to a seed that is buried and dies. And then even though it doesn't look like the seed anymore, it still has the same character of the seed. So will be the new bodies that we have in Christ. We'll be like Christ's resurrected bodies. Hard to comprehend for us, of course. Jesus gave us some clues, not only in what He said, but that we'll, Jesus had a resurrected body and was here for 40 days and seen by many in His resurrected body. And so it gives us some clues. Jesus is able to walk through walls, and at the same time, He's able to eat fish. When you think of a resurrected body, or even Jesus' resurrected body, do you, do you think of it kind of like vapor-like, or maybe like ghost-like? Uh, in no way is it like that. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's more real than our bodies today. Our bodies are more vapor-like than it would be uh, than are the resurrected bodies. But perfect bodies they will be and sure beat the ones that we have now. Now, to understand heaven, we also need to understand what it is not. There is no more sea. Why, why would that be significant? Well, three-fourths of the earth's surface is water. And John, who's watching this, he's, he's seeing visions of this. He, he recognized first and foremost he, there was no sea. 
probably because he was on the Isle of Patmos. And there he was surrounded by water and separated from others. A little over 10 years ago, we were on a little trip. We were on a boat actually on our way to the island of Patmos to visit where John was. There was a storm on the night before. And so much so that it's still raining and stormy weather that the boat could not dock at the Isle of Patmos. And there we stood on a wet dock in the rain. All we could do is watch it go by. We were separated by the sea. We'd come all that way and we could not make it onto the Isle of Patmos. Well, here was John. He's standing on the island. All he sees is the sea and he wants to be able to get off of the sea. Thank you, Jesus. There is no more sea. See, separated him from everybody else. Nothing will separate us from the love of God or from others who are in Christ. Have you been separated from someone? Maybe illness like COVID or disease such as cancer or Alzheimer's or strained relationships or distance or death. No more see, that means there will be no more separation. No more crying. Sad tears will be wiped away. Tears from earth still streaming down our faces will be gone. There's no death. No sorrow, no cemeteries, no mortuaries. We're just making the list that John saw that we read a moment ago. Also, no more pain. New bodies. Boy, the young folks won't understand, but there'll be no more arthritis. How about this? One day, you might. some of us are going to get our real teeth back. There'll be no more pain that we'll need to deal with. No, those ravaged, weak, crippled, pain-filled bodies will be made new. No hospitals or nursing homes. Hey, I'm looking forward to the day. Hopefully it will become before heaven, but we'll be able to look out and we'll see no more mask. John was as thrilled as what he did not see as to what he did see. And he had to tell us mostly what it was not because heaven's like nothing we've ever experienced before. So he had to give it to us in the negative. Kind of like a doctor after a test has been done on you and you come back and if it is negative, it is Good. In this case, the negative is good. The most important thing about heaven is the presence of the Lord. It is the presence of the Lord. Chapter 21 and verse 3 that we read just a moment ago says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. Notice how many times the word dwell is used. First, we know in Genesis, God dwelt in the garden with Adam and Eve. And then He dwelt in the tabernacle that they made. You remember the Israelites as they made their way through the wilderness and into the promised land. And then the temple was built. God dwelt in the temple. And then when Jesus came, He dwelt among us. In fact, the Bible says He tabernacled among us is what the word dwell means. And now, after the time of Christ's resurrection and Pentecost, we know that He dwells in all believers. Still, we don't begin to know all there is to know about Him, but in heaven, we will dwell with Him. Don't think heaven will be boring. For we'll spend all of our time worshiping and exploring the vastness of the Almighty like we would the known universe. We'll bring glory to God. It's okay for you to think of that song, I can only imagine for we can only imagine now. And I think it's okay for you to use your imagination even now, or even as you read God's Word, though we can only know what is in God's Word. We know that there will be many rooms because there's a room that is being prepared for you, and there's plenty of room for everyone to come to know Christ, spend eternity in heaven. But what if there'll be other kind of rooms? Think there'll be a music room? I wonder if they'll have 
contemporary music or traditional or maybe blended. Here's what the Bible tells us. You'll learn a new song and you'll like it. <laughs> There'll be uh, the apostles perhaps will have a room, may apostles conference rooms, all those questions that you have about all the things in the Bible that you're not sure of, that you want to know, that you ask me. And by the way, I love for you to ask me questions. And notice I've never said, I don't know. I've said, I don't know right now, but we can see we can figure this thing out or maybe we'll figure it out when we get to heaven. Uh, might be the great preacher's of the ages room, you know, all the great preachers and maybe they'll have rooms named for them of all the ones you come and you can hear great preachers and the great preaching or have talk with them. Who knows? Maybe there'll be a broom closet or a bathroom stall named after Brother Jeff. Probably not. There'll be the lineup room perhaps where you begin to you line up and you ask and thank all the people who have helped you, who have given to the Lord. A shout out to the Ray Bolts on the aha room, which may be the words we hear most often in heaven. Ah, this is what you were doing. This is why we did this. This is why God did things in this way. The reunion room where we reunite with family members with friends and the sinners the throne room will be going in and out of the very presence of God we'll be worshiping him and we'll have assignments in which we leave out of the throne room what will those assignments be who knows but we'll find satisfaction in serving and doing all that God would have us to do and we'll never grow tired no longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and the lamb will be there and his servants will worship him Revelation chapter 22, we've been in 21, 22 verse 3 says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. It's okay to use our sanctified imaginations. But remember, we're relying only on the authority that we have. Therein lies the truth about heaven in God's Word. Because those who know about heaven now have died. And they've gone to heaven Except for those who, except for Jesus, and He came to tell us about heaven and to take all who will believe with Him to heaven. There are those who make claims that they have visited heaven. They've come back and they have uh, written books and have movies, perhaps, about visiting heaven and coming back, telling us what it has. What do you think about those things? I'm not sure always, but what I want you to do is to be able to know that what we can know, we can know from. God's Word, not rely on what anybody else has told us or even rely on our own experience or dreams or what we think. I've often wondered why Lazarus didn't write a book. You remember Lazarus that came back from the dead after four days. It caused quite a stir, but we don't have any written testimony from him. A couple of biblical people have at least given us a glimpse. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was one of those. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2-5, through 5, he said, I know a man who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven, whether in body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And although this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. He's talking about himself. God knows he heard the things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Talks about the third heaven. He's not talking about some have misunderstood this to say that there are three levels of heaven. But he says a third heaven, he's just talking about simply the first heaven being where the skies and the clouds and the birds fly. Second heaven being the cosmos where the planets and stars are that God made. And the third heaven, he calls it here in verse 5, paradise. John was there. He saw a vision on the Isle of Patmos as well. And he writes about it. Paul told us very little because he chose to boast in Jesus. And we'll see more 
of what they saw. Let's approach it in the last few minutes like this. What questions do you have? When do we, who are followers of Jesus, go to heaven? Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Seems fairly simple. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're told the dead in Christ will rise first when Christ returns. I, I really hope this will help to clear this up maybe a little bit for us today. Paul wrote, we know to be absent from the body is to be with God. Telling us to be away from our bodies, all who are in Christ will be with Jesus immediately. Our spirit goes to be with Christ immediately upon death. Our spirit or our soul. But our new bodies, John saw new bodies that talked about in Scripture, that will be received on the day that Jesus comes back at the time of the rapture. Who will greet us? Story from last week about the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man and unbeliever Lazarus, not the one that was uh, brother of Mary and Martha and the friend of Jesus, but Lazarus who was the poor beggar but placed his faith in Jesus. We're told that the angels escorted him to Abraham's side. Some believe it will be Peter that will be at the gate. But we're told that it will be Jesus who will greet us. Well done, good and faithful servant. We know that other loved ones will be there to greet us as well. Will we know each other in heaven? Well, we'll be the same person, but a new resurrected state. We know that the women recognize Jesus in His resurrection. We'll have more knowledge, better understanding, not less, so we will recognize one another. We may know all people at the same time, or we'll spend our days getting to know brothers and sisters in Christ from around the world. How about this? You'll finally know everybody's name in church and be able to call them by name. Will we still be married in heaven? Jesus answered this question when the religious leaders tried to trap Jesus and to trick him. Jesus said, we will not be married or given in marriage. Now, you may be disappointed or not, depending on some things. Listen, uh, I've had many a widow or a widower ask me sometime after their loved one passed away, why Jesus said we'll not be married in heaven. Well, let me ask you this. How many of you have a perfect marriage? Oh, I saw that elbow. You wanted him to raise your hand. But uh, your relationships will be perfect in heaven. It'd be a step above marriage. Your brother, sister, mom, dad, daughter, and son will be thicker than blood kin and better and perfect. So if your marriage and home life is heavenly, well, you ain't seen nothing yet. But if it's something less, it will be far better. In the meantime, remember the model prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's work on making relationships reflect what we believe they're going to be in heaven. And the most important question, how do you get to heaven? Back in the days when you used to go to the fair and you got tickets for each ride that you rode at the fair, there was a man who took his son and his two friends to the fair and he got an armload of tickets. And every time they come to a ride, he'd take out a ticket and give one to his son and one to his two friends. They went to the Ferris wheel, the Tilt-A-Whirl, and the Merry-Go-Round. And along about the fourth or fifth ride, he took off a ticket and gave one to his son for the next ride and two to his friends. And a fourth hand was sticking up. There he was, a young man he had never seen before. And he Father asked him, who are you? He said, I'm your son's new best friend. Your son said that if I would be his best friend, my father, your, his father would give me a ticket. And the loving father took off a ticket and handed it to the boy. 
Friends, that's how you get a ticket to heaven. You want to become best friends of the Son of the Heavenly Father. Not by being good, by sitting in a pew or listening to Christian music or saying the right words, but by following Jesus and turning your life over to Him. Do you have a ticket today? If not, you want to be able to answer this most important question, how do you get to heaven? Admit that you're a sinner. Repent of your sins and ask Jesus to forgive you. Believe in Jesus as God's Son who came and lived amongst us and died on the cross and three days later rose again. Now He's alive today. We believe. We know that He lives in heaven and also in the hearts of all those who call on Him. And through prayer, ask Christ to be your Savior and Lord. That's how it's done. By His grace through faith. May our time together as we've reflected on heaven serve as incentive if you need to call on Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And may it be encouragement to all who are friends and followers of Jesus for living today and telling others how to get to heaven. What we have in the Bible is just a tip of a hugely glorious iceberg to let us know, yeah, that's what we want. This is what we are made for. And it's never about you or me, but it's about a wonderful relationship that brings glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon once said, A little faith will bring your soul to heaven. A great faith will bring heaven to your soul. For you who have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, may your faith increase and grow. Your circumstances may or may not change, but the more your faith increases, the more you experience and the greater glimpse you get of heaven as you walk personally with Him. If you have yet to become a follower of Jesus, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today needs to be the day of salvation. Today you need to call upon Him. Or if you're here today or if you're listening online today and you're not sure, you've always been the one who said, Oh, I sure hope I get to heaven. I hope I'm good enough. Maybe one day I'll be good enough to be able to get to heaven. Well, today you can sell it because it's not about how good you are, but only about... What a good God we know and serve through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you can call upon Jesus today. We're going to give you that opportunity today to call upon Him. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, or you need to be sure that that's taken care of today, we want to give you that opportunity. If you know Christ, you be praying for those who may be praying this prayer. Let's pray together. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You can just repeat after me. This prayer, we realize it's not the words that we say, but it's the sincerity and genuineness of our heart. If you want to know for sure that you have a home in heaven, genuinely pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you are God's son who died on the cross for my sins to take my place. And you rose again the third day and you're alive today. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Help me to live for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.